Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. Join this wonderful pizza from Slice on Broadway, the people in Pittsburgh that provide good pizza to podcasters. Hey guys, it is the awesome chat. I'm Mike Sorg at Sorgatron on the Twitters uh, with a very musical edition uh, this week, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, but uh, before we get into that, of course, please check out the awesome chat and everything else at awesomecast.net. You subscribe to uh, this and the other main show on iTunes, uh, YouTube, uh, Daily Motion, all over the place. Uh, all the links are over there, and of course, you can communicate with us. Let us know uh, awesome things that you're checking out in the Pittsburgh area and, belo- and, and beyond uh, awesomecast.net on the Twitter, on Facebook, on Google+, uh, wherever you may find us. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, we have on the line Gil Tashira. I probably didn't do that right. <laughs> oh, I did it. I did it completely wrong. I did it completely wrong. We're just discussing. This is always the thing. I can't get past the intro and remember what we talked about on pronunciations. But thank you. Thank you, Chill, for show, for joining us today. Uh, you were with thank a place. Thank you for inviting me. com, And uh, you were someone I, I, I was uh, doing this. I was behind the streamer at uh, at. Uh, uh, show your work. It uh, was a startup event over at uh, the East Liberty Carnegie Library uh, a couple of weeks ago, and y- you really stuck out to me uh, uh, with your presentation uh, uh, of what CME is. Can, uh, can you tell the people uh, w- what's the concept here? Well, CME basically stands for like collaborative experiential electronic music instrument, um, and the, this kind of stems out of the, my, the final project of my master's in London where I, I was doing, working on, uh, that's what I do, like engaging communities in making music together. And I, need, I know that traditionally and until now in this kind of music workshop world, either we work with musicians or, you know, you work with people that are not musicians, but in a way the non-musicians are kind of limited to usually two roles, which is, okay, you guys are singing or you guys are playing the drums. And that was it. You know, it's just kind of a very limited, if you're not a musician, that's what you can do. And the idea behind CME was to kind of, what if I could use an interface that people are already comfortable with in their daily lives that does not require learning a whole new skill, namely smartphones and touch devices, uh, or even like laptops and desktops, like people are comfortable with that interface and just use it to be able to connect them together and playing music. So that's what CME is. CME is basically a virtual ensemble that you connect using your smartphone or your tablet or your laptop. Awesome. So, 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 and again, your demo really stuck out to me. Uh, I got a mm-hmm. little bit of the video uh, uh, playing here in the background. If you guys are on the video version, can you explain a little bit about about that demo that you did at the uh, at the Carnegie Library a few weeks ago and kind of how that put together? Yeah, like that demo was kind of very organic, but it's kind of what I want to, it's my main message with CME, which is there's not really anything happening on the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way I did that demo was really about, because I, I know that sometimes in these presentations, it's all too much focus on PowerPoint presentations and like, you know, shards and uh, statistics, whatever. And the whole concept behind CME is that you do, you should not look at the screen because CME wants to actually reverse the usual relation that people have with these devices because i just see every day in my in my everyday life and we all see that how people just get so isolated and alienated when they're using their digital you know when they're lost in their little digital world and you know they're in in the bus or in the train or even in in cafes which i find amazing like you're in a cafe there's more people on the table 
but you're just completely isolated on your device looking at that screen. So what I did for my presentation was basically there was nothing running on the screen besides a lot of photos from this amazing photographer that had this project called Remote Social. His name is Eric Prinkersgill. And it just has photos of people. I, I highly recommend it for people to check it out. It's just photos of people using their devices, but with the devices removed. And it's really, really powerful because you just see how sad it is. when <laughs> There's like all these people together in the same photo and they are completely disconnected because just they're drawn into their empty hands. The fact that their hands are empty, I found it like really perfect. Uh, and then I just tried to engage the audience, like, look at me. And I even told about the pun about see me has this dual meaning about can you see me? Like, can you look me in the eye? And because um, that's something that we all musicians, we know what it's like. The idea of you're playing a musical instrument, but you're not really looking at the instrument. So if you're playing in a group, you have to be playing to your fellow musicians. You have to be looking or you have to look at the conductor. So it's all about this creating this powerful connection between individuals and working as a group. And that's why I felt that music was a powerful vehicle to kind of try to fight this tendency of people using uh, their devices in a very isolated and lonely way and to kind of reverse that uh, through the power of music. Awesome. And so you had everybody, you know, kind of log into, it looks like you had a personal Wi-Fi kind of going on there, right? Yes. Okay. Simi creates its own Wi-Fi. Um, Simi now is like a, uh, it's a hardware device that you can actually, it's a little, a little box that you can take with you. Cause I wanted to be, my main worries about Simi is I didn't want to be relying uh, on a lot of external variables. Like, is there a Wi-Fi already in the building? Cause mm -hmm. I want to be able to do a Simi workshop you know, anywhere, like in a shopping center or in a, in a retirement home or, you know, in a, in a, in a nursing home. I, I don't really want to be worried about, oh, do they have Wi-Fi? Do they don't? So I tried to make Simi the most self-contained as I could so that I can just arrive somewhere, plug it into a pair of speakers, uh, and it can be like just any normal kind of computer speakers would do. And then Simi creates its own Wi-Fi, and people just connect to the Wi-Fi, go to their browser, and instantly they enter Simi because you don't even need to install an app. It's not an app for Android or for iOS because that was another worry, another concern that I had. Is like I don't want to exclude people. And I want it to be as fast as possible. I want people to be able like in 10 seconds to connect to Simi uh, and not worry about, oh, I don't have Wi-Fi. I cannot get the app. Uh, you know, like all these concerns that have to do with dedicated apps that have their own strong points. But in terms of like fast democratic access browser-based was for me the way to go because even if you have a laptop you can still play see me uh, mm. or a desktop like you're not excluded that's great and, and and you you had people that you know you know from the crowd and you set yeah. up kind of a, a a real quick lesson in directing and I, you know i've been in band my mother's in band and so yeah. done some symphony yeah. stuff it, it was kind of funny actually michael because i i have to say that when i reviewed the video i was just like laughing with how lucky i was in terms of some amazing coincidences like uh, I, that was completely unexpected like because people started connecting the last mm -hmm. slide of my presentation had the instructions for connection and people started connecting while I was talking, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember that, but there was this moment when I asked the lady, like, okay, if I had a violin here, if I would bring it and I would ask you to come and play, how would you feel? And she was like, oh, my God, I would never do that. I wouldn't know what to do with it. And exactly on that moment, you start hearing already from the background, somebody that connected was playing a pizzicato in a violin. 
And it was just perfect. I was like, okay, I was just like, that totally proves my point. You know, like you would never be able to play a violin, but you can play violin in a smartphone and it's fine and it's not scary. And then I just asked those people to stand up and I just led them in kind of a instant sound painting workshop where I just make gestures and people follow them with musical instructions like volume control, pitch control. Uh, you know, it's kind of the work that I do already, even before Cine. Uh, the only difference is that now it opens up a lot more the kind of people that can be a part of it. Awesome, awesome. Uh, so and, and it was a really cool, authentic feeling. It was it was really cool to witness, and I'm, I'm really glad that we were there that the capture that on 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 uh, online as well for for everybody to check out. I've been pushing a lot of people towards it as well. So um, so basically, you know, how now you're, yourself, admittedly, you're, you're mostly a musician. You're not a programmer. Um, no. How did you get to the point of concept to actually having and 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 you know talking with some people at Alpha Lab yesterday? It's got to be so much harder to do a box, a physical box that's yeah. going to do something like this. As far as you know, other than an app, right? I mean, there, there's a whole another level of of oh, manufacturing yeah. <laughs> and demoing and, and 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 prototyping you have to do with that, right? Uh, yeah. How do you, how do you get Tell from? Me about it. Yeah, apparently you know. <laughs> uh, but how do you get from? Uh, I'm a, I'm a musician that wants to do X to having you know getting to a demo like this stupidity <laughs> you know i, I think that's, to that's be stupid only yeah. a stupid person would do something like this i uh, think that's no, called entrepreneurism i think around uh, here <laughs> <laughs> no i have this tendency to be kind of an over-the-top visionary person that's just like i get stuck with this idea in my mm -hmm. head and then i'm very stubborn and then i'm like oh my god that would be so cool and then I just like really throw myself into making it happen. And most of the time, these kind of utopia projects that I get myself into are way, like way beyond my capacities and what mm -hmm. I can do. So see me until now has been basically the most challenging and the craziest because it really threw me into like going from just playing music in an acoustic instrument. I was already doing a lot of electronic music, but mostly as a consumer. You know what I mean? I, I always distinguish electronic musicians as the, the consumer type and the, the making type because when you're a consumer, you're just using software and hardware that's already there, you know, like MIDI controllers, uh, you know, software like multi-track sequencers and stuff like that. But doing that step about stopping just using software and hardware that everybody did to create my own software and my own hardware. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> that was a really big step. And uh, I basically entered cold turkey into visual programming. Mm -hmm. I started with Max MSP and then changed to Pure Data, which is a more like open source kind of um, highly accessible platform. And, you know, and I had the help of an awesome programmer, which happens to be my brother. <laughs> it's kind of a little family business. And even the interface designer is like my childhood friend. And they're both still based in Portugal. And, uh, and that's the CME team. It's a one web designer, one backend, front-end programmer, and me as the sound designer and concept uh, creator. Um, yeah, and it has been like crazy roller coaster two years about like, you know, learning without any kind of, you know, just learning with your own attempts and just figuring it out. And, uh, and it's exciting. And so like right now, what you saw uh, is like, I'm finally thinking that CME is getting to the stage where I envisioned it to be when I started the project. And, um, and it's exciting because what I really want is to put it out there. You know, one of the things that I realized through this whole experience is that, you know, being inside a computer programming, like the whole day doing just coding, 
is not really my thing. You know, like what I really want is to be out there. Listening, like what I did at the library the other day. What you saw the other day, that's what I want to do. I want to engage people. I want to connect with people. And um, this kind of was more of an intermediate process that I had to go through to make it happen. And I learned a lot. But um, but it's definitely like, you know, I'm, I'm, I do not have want to become a full-time programmer. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think it was important to actually understand that world uh, and to have a little bit of knowledge of what goes on there. Because I know that sometimes there's this total lack of communication between people that do the programming and people that do the usage. And it's important to be able to do some sort of a, a dialogue. And to do a dialogue, you need to know a little bit about the world of the other one. Otherwise, you know, it's just like a, there's no real dialogue. It's just a unidirectional, <laughs> two, two different unidirectional conversations, you know, like, it's a monologue, two monologues. <laughs> yeah, and I know that's a conversation that happens, uh, uh, I know, it, from designers to, you know, to, to mm-hmm. coders, right? Especially in, in the world of web design, uh, you know, I've had experience with. And, uh, and and I can't even, you know, even more, you know, you're thinking, you know, the art size of design versus code. I, I, you know, going from music to code has to be an even longer path. <laughs> yeah. So, and language barrier. Well, well, music, in a way, it's like, from music to code, I, I, I opted for visual programming just for a very simple reason. Uh, like people that know a little bit about visual programming will, will will know what I mean. Because as a guitarist, we are uh, guitarists are usually I, I say that guitarists are usually the dorks of the musicians by nature, <laughs> because <laughs> they are the only musicians I know that get so completely stuck in their setup, in their rig, you know? You have the pedal board, and then you have the processor, and then you have, you know, they're already, they are used to having all these pedals and cables, and they know all about signal processing, that you have your input from the guitar that goes to that pedal, that goes to that pedal, and then goes out to the speaker. So this concept of visually seeing the signal was for me, that's why I opted for visual programming, because that's exactly what I see on the screen. I see boxes that have functions, and I connected with cables. So, you know, that's like, for me as a musician, that was not such a big step, especially as a guitarist. Um, so in a way, it was not such a big step uh, as, as you might initially think. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yes, but it was, you know, it was a pretty, pretty big step. But now, you know, now it's working and it was all worth it. And I'm so excited because in 2016, we're still finishing updating the website, but it's already there and you mentioning mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to start have already real offerings for the community here in Pittsburgh and around Pittsburgh and, you know, anywhere that people want to take me, um, which I'm really excited about. Like you can actually have the way I envisioned it is that see me for now, it's going to be more, you can hire it as a service, you know, like as a, a music workshop or an installation that can be kind of running uh, by itself. It's, it doesn't need to be anybody there. Uh, or something that I also really look forward to, and I think it might be really cool, for musicians or composers that want to integrate audience participation into their pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's something that I really am looking forward to, having like an original piece for CIMI and music ensemble, for example, where you can have you know, a quartet, and then the audience members have a role in it that's actually part of the composition itself. So all of these three different options are going to starting already being available from 2016, which for me means, you know, I'm finally out of the computer and I'm back into the <laughs> real world, which is so exciting. 
<laughs> well, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like sitting in the practice space and getting it right, and then you can go out and perform yeah, and do the tour, exactly. right? Exactly. It's like finally the concert. You know what I mean? After two years of rehearsals, mm-hmm. and you know, now it's finally time to do a gig, and I'm I'm very excited about that. I'm That's amazing. Really looking forward to it. Um, I actually got you know, you, you you caught my attention. Uh, well, you know, one in general because of the, the demo, but also this is not the this, this is not the first time I've heard of a concept like this. Uh, there actually mm-hmm. was a band several years ago, and, and the name escapes me. I should look it up. I know it's on my network somewhere. Uh, where they it was uh, at Mr. Smalls. You downloaded an app, and they had it hooked through. Yeah. I don't think it worked very well, but um, I, I love the <laughs> idea that there's like a little bit less overhead for the audience participation because there was a lot of hey guys, make sure you download the app before you come in here and and, and that kind yeah. of thing. Because you know we're thinking like five years ago we didn't have LTE and all this fancy stuff on our iPhone sixes and and, and Samsung yeah. curves screens and all that stuff. Um, so this seems like the kind of the right nexus of technology and easy use for the user as well. Uh, so is it, um, and, and it's compatible both Android and iOS, right? Because it's web-based? It's, yeah, it's web-based. So it's actually compatible with anything. Uh, nice. It actually just relies on the technology of your browser. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the only problems I've had so far is people that have a, like, you remember, like, Androids used to come with this built-in browser that was not Chrome. It was just like, I don't right. know, I don't even, it was called internet <laughs> oh that, remember that, that internet but, yes yeah it was like a little <laughs> globe like the, the icon was this little planet and then it just was called internet yeah and that browser like i've had so many problems with it so i always say okay if you just want to be make sure things work just get a, a, a recent browser updated just because the, the whole like browser technology html5 is actually a very exciting and fluid thing that's still going on and mm-hmm. like almost every day you have a new api that comes out and uh i also mentioned that in the presentation the other day like it's really interesting how for example right now we we try to implement some things like okay forcing full screen blocking rotation and then we realize oh wait this is still not standard so <laughs> you know <laughs> you actually have to wait but probably in a few months oh we can we can do that now you know yeah. what i mean like it's just so quick the way that the whole the api thing is happening and um and so in a way i hope that in a few months i will be able to really get rid of all the kind of things that i still not really like about it and um and things like that they they, they don't seem very important but they are like the screen rotation is highly annoying if you're playing an instrument (laughs) and you rely for example on the angle of the because the new version of simi also has new cool features that you didn't see the other day like for example the angle of the phone has music potential too and you can control pitch bending or you can change the program that you're playing just by rotating your phone but if the screen rotates you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) so it's this kind of uh, juggling exercises that still have to go on, but um, but it's exciting because it's evolving at a very fast pace, and uh, Simi is always trying to catch up and just trying to use uh, the most recent updates. Just bearing in mind that they still need to be pretty standard before I put them out there, because I, I really that comes really from my it's like my main thing as a workshop leader, which is. I actually had a teacher that that's had a mantra that I kind of follow, which is if you're in the room, you're in the band. Mm-hmm. And I like that. You know, I like that. So I don't want to have people that are in the room but are excluded just because I'm using this fancy API that only two people have, you know? <laughs> so the principle behind CME is the principle of not excluding and uh, making sure that if people have a, any sort of Wi-Fi compatible device, they would be able to play CME, even if they just have a keyboard and a mouse, you know? Great. And it looks like you're not just showing us off in Pittsburgh. I'm seeing from your website, you have a lot of samples from around the world 
Really, yeah. I, I'm seeing some some examples here from the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. And is this is this a school in Tanzania? Is am I am I getting that right? No, 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 or, no. That's a different thing. Okay, uh, I'm actually going to Tanzania now, and I'm going to do some Simi uh, workshops there. It's it's exciting. Right, right. Um, but uh, no, Simi started in London because that's where I did my masters in mm-hmm. the Guildhall School of Music and Drama and Barbican. Uh, and then I did a lot of experimentation in Tanzania because I was there teaching and, and leading workshops and I'm going there again. And then Portugal, because I, I lived there after the course for four months and, uh, the installation. So it's not only doing workshops. I've always been doing like leading workshops and having the installation running at the same time. Nice. And you still haven't seen the installation, but the installation has this whole other element. And if you check out the videos, they're hilarious because in the installation format, basically I substituted my role as a conductor through messages that the server sends to the people that connect. And it's really funny because those messages are kind of little compositions in themselves, but they don't just organize the sound. They also organize how people move in the space. You know, you make all these weird links between, you make people make eye contact with their neighbors, you make people jump in one leg, you make people sit down. And and like, it's really hilarious. And all of those movements have sound consequences. And then you you just, if you are from the outside, you just see this really weird dynamic, like what's going on. And uh, the installation format runs by itself. And I was just now in September in Norway, um, doing a semi installation for a B20 ensemble. And, uh, and it was loads, loads of fun. And, And it's also interesting, something that I really didn't expect when I did the, the, the installation was how much you actually can tell from different cultures just by how they react in the installation, hmm. which has been, for me, the most interesting thing. For example, in London, people are just so used to kind of, you know, out there, cutting-edge things and weird stuff that they completely jumped, like, on board for each messages. People would just really have not, not be embarrassed at all. They would just go for it. In Portugal, people are very self-conscious in general. So you would see people just like, you know, leaning against the walls, not wanting to go to the center of the installation. Uh, you know, in every place I've done it, people have reacted in a different way. And I kind of have this idea for a, a meta project, which is just compile different films from all the installations in different countries and just have this interesting study on human nature. <laughs> wow. It is an interesting interpretation of the... Uh you know, just that universal musical language, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's, it's. I don't know, it's really, really, really interesting. I, I'm looking forward to have a, an installation running here uh, in Pittsburgh. Who knows, maybe in 2016 that will make it happen. Oh, that'll be tremendous. Hey, we're showing a little bit of video while you're talking there. And you, I think this is the Portuguese one I was seeing. You just see the kids just kind of gradually moving towards each other and uh, yeah. <laughs> out awkwardly. Because they're following, they're following mm-hmm. some instruction they had. And then the cool thing was that people could create their own instructions. So they would come, they would play, and then they would leave me a paper with a new instruction and I would add to it. So the installation keeps growing with each place that it takes place. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the, the people themselves that take part in the installation that are now creating the new instructions and also the multimedia content that they leave so for example while they are doing it Cassini also has a sampler right like a sampler in the synth so if people make recordings or videos or whatever that material stays and it's part of the installation and it just keeps evolving keeps mutating oh, wow. so it's really really fun it's like it was a crazy load of work but it's it was worth it it's it's really cool to see it happening that's great. That's awesome. Uh, this is so much fun. I, I can't wait to see what. It is. So you could have like like a big, 
So, so you would just have like different stuff after an installation, maybe, right? Like, like from another installation, right? Like, yeah, like, like, like after each- after I run an installation, I have all these files that are there that were left by the people that were playing, like both mm-hmm. video, audio, and also text messages. So I have all oh, those wow. media. I have uh, it's like the refuse from each of one, and then I just feed it into the next one. And then it changes again, and then I'm just compiling all that material. You know, like it's bigger. And the videos can be as ridiculous as people go to the toilet and you know and push the the, the flushing device. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it can be as crazy and simple as that. You know? <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I love it. So, so what's next? You got a lot of stuff. You're doing your big, uh, as we said, the, your 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 tour of sorts next year uh, with this finishing off. So it, this is going to be mostly like kind of a service. This isn't a thing necessarily. I'm going to like purchase off the shelf at Best Buy or anything like that, right? That's like yeah, like the the vision I have now in terms of like what to do with Simi is on the short term. Uh, I really want to create awareness that Simi exists and that Simi is out there. Mm. And uh, I want to be able to show it to people and to use it and so that people can see that that this exists and that this is possible and this is, is already out there. And uh, hopefully what I envision is that through doing kind of a, a usage already in the terrain, um, the interest of people is going to grow and there's going to be this desirability of like, oh, this is really cool. Like, could we also have one? And I would say... If enough people say, I really would like to have one, I would then think about doing that step, which is why not put Simi out there as a product itself, you know? And of course, that also depends on finding investors, you know, like the whole thing. But in a way, you know, remember what you told me earlier about, oh, that was a big step going from a musician to a programmer. I would say going from like a guy that likes to be in the terrain leading workshops to be the CEO of a corporation, (laughs) it's a bigger (laughs) step, you know? (laughs) So, uh, but I'm totally open for it. And I think that would make, that would make sense, you know, because in a way, first I put it out there, people try it. It gets improved by the usage because I'm sure there's going to be all sorts of suggestions that people are going to make and like, Oh, it would be so cool if you did this, if you did that. And I'm going to get all, uh, again, new ideas because Simi until now has been this kind of, um, you know, it's not like a thing, a, a finished product that was tested in the laboratory and then was put out there. There has not been a clear distinction between the real application and the, 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 the development. Because right. since day one, I've been already putting it out there as a workshop leader. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like this is how it has evolved and this is how it has reached this stage it's already from the feedback of people uh, and then all it already is coming to changes and then those changes go back into the feedback, you know, and so it creates this kind of loop. Uh, mm-hmm. So the laboratory of CIMI has been the world, basically. It was like, there has been no kind of isolated laboratory for it. Um, so my idea is that, like, if investors and if enough people would be, I, I kind of still see it more a product. I might be wrong, but I don't really see it as something that, individual you know like end users would be interested you know like okay it may be fun like for thanksgiving or for christmas you know what i mean like okay it might be fun if a family would but in a way and i don't think that just like a family of four or five would be interested in having seen me but i totally see like a school a library a museum you know um center for disability a retirement home it would make total sense for those institutions to have something like see me to engage people uh, in in collaborative music making, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, so even uh, it's definitely in my long term plans to to get to that point. Even uh, therapy, I mean, music therapy yeah. is a very big thing with some yeah. of my clients, and I could see them definitely using something like this. Yeah, 
Mm. Yeah, because, you know, you can make all sorts. Of, the, the advantage of CME over, you know, over other options is that, you know, it's like cable-free. It's it, You don't have to carry a gigantic bag of instruments. You know what I mean? Like, with just a click of a button, you can change from a classic orchestra to a world music setup or to a jazz or to a rock and roll. You can just like click one button and all of a sudden all the instruments changes and people are just having playing new notes on a new instrument. What just like that. You don't have to carry. And I tell me, I know that because again, this comes from my experience as a workshop leader. And I know how it is when you go to a place and you have to bring the PA, you have to bring the, the, the jambes and you have to bring, you know, like the, the ORF instrumentation. And it's like a whole van of gear and still it's only limited. You can only do whatever those instruments do, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with CME, you know, it's just people just get their device out, their phone out, and they use it, and that's it. You know, there's no nothing more to carry. You can just have CME on a little backpack, and that's it. That's all you need to, to make it happen. It's another way we, it's talk, another way we, talk. we, we talk about how... Uh, creativity, uh, the barriers have been lowered uh, with with design, with video editing, and I love that the same thing mm-hmm. is happening with music as well in this in this uh, vein. Uh, get out of the way and let the creativity happen, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's you know, in a way, I'm not trying to to, and this is also important that I make a point about that, Michael. It mm-hmm. is this really does not substitute real instruments. No, uh, and I can tell because. I can say that because I'm a classical guitarist myself. I, I, I still prefer the classical guitar to the electric even, you know. There's something very powerful about an acoustic instrument resonating against your body, you know. There's right. something really organic and powerful, and CME is not going to substitute that. What I think that CME does is that it kind of just allows people that would never, you know, that are do not have either the time, the energy, or even the interest to pursue like learning a music instrument from scratch because they know that it will probably take them like two years to get to a point where they could have an ensemble experience. Right. right. So we see me, you kind of have this instant entry level access to playing music in a group, which is something that would take years for each of them to be able to do it in the normal way. But of course, see me has its limitations. And if people want to go beyond those limitations, they just need to learn an instrument. <laughs> it's the next step it's the next step it's a it's an introductory um and that's yeah, great that's yeah great. you know it's like in a way it's not like i'm stealing the market from real music uh mm-hmm. because people that are like just going to do see me and do not want to do anything else mm-hmm. that means that they're just not interested in learning a music instrument you know and they don't have to they're not forced to they can just have fun with whatever see me allows them and then they can continue with their everyday lives and do whatever hobby they like to do you know Awesome. Well, if anybody wants to check out uh, your presentation, you did of course with the uh, with the uh, yeah. Carnegie Library. It, it's on youtubecom slash CLP video. CLP for Carnegie Library Pittsburgh. Um, and I'll, and I know I've been tweeting. I'll probably throw another link out there as well along with this. Uh, where can other people find out uh, everything about See Me and what's coming up with you guys? Yeah, it's playseeme.com basically, uh, which is play and then it's C E E M I. Dot com um, and all the information we are still like finishing updating the website but the offerings are already there I just need to update the gallery now and um, yeah and the offerings are already there like the CME workshop which is led by me so and it's kind of a tailored product where it's not just like a you know a pre-existing format it's like I'm, I really want to tailor it to each institution because depending on age level number of participants uh, you know all sorts of variables that depend on each community I like to design 
a specific workshop for that community. So it's kind of a really tailored service to each individual client, uh, and it will be led by me in person. And um, the installation, which is called CME Playground, it's a self-running quadraphonic uh, multimedia installation that can be running in any place that would go like from a few hours to a few months, you know, like depending on what what the, the requirements are. And also the content of that installation, like I said earlier, can completely be adapted. So if the installation, if, you know, if it's aimed for kids, you can change all the messages to kind of, so that the kids resonate with them and you can change the videos and you can put cartoons or, you know what I mean? Like the whole multimedia content can be adapted to the age level and to the target audience of the installation. And then the other one, the CME live format, which is for composers and bands that, um, that would like to incorporate CME into their performances or pieces. So all of those offerings are already available for 2016. We have the contact form in the placeme.com and we're ready to go. I'm checking out the website and, and, um, and there's a lot of awesome stuff going on here, but I know there's no Twitter, Facebook, anything like that. And I think you mentioned something to that in your presentation a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. What's yeah, the did. deal? If you, <laughs> if you remember, uh, you know, I just said, you know, I kind of shocked the audience with the statement, I have no Facebook, which <gasps> is true. And see me also doesn't have a Facebook and it doesn't have a Twitter. And this is in terms of now like 2015, 16 marketing It's called suicide, but <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be coherent here. And if the main concept behind see me is to kind of take people away from this notion of social life that happens in the digital world and bring them to the real world, I think that see me should enforce that by not investing in the so-called social media. So what I really want is people to, okay, a website is a minimum digital existence that you need to have. From then on, everything is real. From the moment that people say, oh, I want to have a CME experience, and then they just have to be in the same room with CME and with everybody else. So, you know, if one day, <laughs> like I was uh, telling to you uh, off the record, like if one day I have a, a marketing director, he's probably going to, you know, shoot me <laughs> for this. But <laughs> for now, my approach is I do not want to invest at all. Facebook, Twitter, no. We have a website. And from then on, we are real people that come to real places. And that's how CME goes with real social media, old school. If you're uh, a part of an organization or, or know of one that you think should be uh, looking into these guys, let them know. Give them the play CME.com. And, uh, and, 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 and show this uh, video or some of the great examples you guys have on there. That's, that's tremendous. Uh, so thank you so thank much. PlaySeeMe.com. Thank you, Jill, for, Jill, for uh, joining you, us today. It was a great conversation. I'm really glad I got to catch up with you a couple weeks ago here. Uh, so go check that out. And check out all the interviews over at AwesomeCast.net. We got a great collection of discussions we've had with people making great things around the Pittsburgh area and beyond in, uh, in technology and in, 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 in video and in, in production and in, in startups. Everything's out there. And of course, our weekly discussions we have with people using this stuff in Pittsburgh from a Pittsburgh state of mind and technology, awesomecast.net. Uh, thank you to our awesome guests. You've been our awesome audience. Have an awesome week. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.